You're listening to the official Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. Before we dive into today's guest, I want to tell you a little bit about one of our favorite Hollywood restaurants, Botanica. At Hamptons to Hollywood, we love food, both eating it and recommending great places for you, our audience, to eat. Hamptons to Hollywood's restaurant of the month for May is Botanica, a delicious locally sourced organic eatery located in Silver Lake that is as charming as it is yummy. The restaurant just turned two years old last Friday and is only becoming more well known. Started by two former female food writers, they felt the time was right to start a female-led restaurant in a largely male-dominated industry. And one of the founders is an expecting mom. And speaking of moms, we think it is the perfect place to bring your mom or another special lady in your life for Mother's Day this Sunday. You can see the full editorial on HamptonsToHollywood.com tomorrow. Bon appetit! Hey guys, it's me, Kyle Langan, host of the podcast and founder of HamptonsToHollywood.com. Today's guest is a special one in my heart. I sat down with Felicia Jackson, photographer, childcare guru, and my mom. In advance of Mother's Day, we talked about parenthood. She shared some of her famous child-rearing tips. We chatted about mother-son relationships, and we laughed. A lot. Now you know where I get it. So without further ado, here's my mom, Felicia. Okay, mom. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for being on the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, sit up closer to the microphone. Get off of your phone. All right, we are sitting here on this night, having a glass of wine. That's... Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Stop playing Sugar Smash or whatever it's called. Candy Crush. <laughs> it helps me relax. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> oh, that's strong. So I wanted to put it, to have you as a guest. You really can't play that while we're recording. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> Stop playing that. Okay, listen. Can you tell my birth story really quick? Well, it's your first baby. (laughs) You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going on. They tell you it's going to take 20 hours, 16 to 20 hours to have a baby. (laughs) So, and you go to these birthing classes, Lamaze classes, they teach you how to breathe, whatever. So, (laughs) then the day comes, I just felt kind of funny and... I was getting pains that I thought were contractions, but I wasn't sure. And they say, oh, time them. And then five minutes later, I'd have another one. I'm like, wait, is this real? And I remember Daddy saying, you think I have time to go to Home Depot and get some wood? <laughs> A shelf or something. No, I don't think you have enough time. And so it just, they kept hurting. And this was like in the morning. This was like maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, then Daddy called the doctor. And she said, oh, well, you got plenty of time. But if you feel like you want to come to the hospital, you know, you can come to the hospital, whatever. So we waited about half an hour, and we called her and said we were going to the hospital. So we drive, and I'm in the car. It was so uncomfortable. It hurt so bad. Bump, every bump. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the hospital. They put me in a wheelchair. They wheel me across cobblestone. <laughs> That's so <funny. laughs> And I wanted to just, like, rip my head off because it hurt so bad. We get up to the you know, whatever room, they, they check in, I'm in the room, and then this this boy comes in to do the exam. My doctor wasn't there yet. And by boy, I mean like boy. He was like 20 years old. I guess he was like a resident intern. I don't know what he was, but he was really young. So he comes in and he does the exam, 
never says one word to me, turns around and runs out real fast. And I was like, oh my God, like, what happened? Whatever. And then this really, really, really nice lady came in. She was like probably in her 50s. And she came and she held my hand. She said, it's okay. I said, well, what's going on? Like, why? He ran out, you know, whatever. And, you know, and and then my doctor comes in a few minutes later and she puts her hands on her hips at the door and she says, well, she said, you didn't waste any time. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. And then I looked at the lady that was next to me and I said, well, what's going on? Like, how dilated am I? And she said, 10. And I'm like, 10? Oh my God, I need something. (laughs) Give me something. And that's when the doctor, she's hands on her hips like, honey, it's too late. (laughs) So I was like freaking out because in my head, I'm thinking, like it's only been like two hours. Like I'm thinking I got like 16 hours to go. So I'm like in having a panic attack and I'm holding this lady's hand and I remember looking at her saying, do you have kids? Yeah, I have six. You did this six times? (laughs) She said, yes. Okay. And then she's telling me to breathe. Like, so now I'm trying to remember from Lamaze and I'm trying to breathe, but I'm breathing like the, you know, real like long breaths and it wasn't working. I was like starting to hyperventilate (laughs) because I was too far along for that. And then, you know, one thing led to another and you know then there was like three nurses sitting on the counter like i could see them like i'm laying down i could see them why were they like observing or something no they were just waiting for the baby to come out they oh. were like the neonatal nur- nurses i think so like my doctor was there the the midwife or the nurse whatever she was helping me daddy was there and the nurses are just holding their clipboards just kind of waiting for the baby to be born because that's when they step in and then um all of a sudden <laughs> my water broke and it, <laughs> it just kind of like shot across the room and hit one of the nurses. <laughs> she dropped her <laughs> clipboard and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God. They were like, well, you know, whatever, it happens. Because why did it, why did it shoot? <laughs> because she said like the baby's head... Like my water never broke, so that's why I thought, oh, I can't be in labor. I thought your water breaks when you go in labor, but apparently it doesn't. So she had to break the water, but what happened was when she broke it, I guess she put something in there, pokes it, and it just mm-hmm. pops. But but your head was so far down, like it was ready to come out, that it, you know how when you put your finger on a hose, when the water's coming out, and it shoots out, that's what it was, that's what it was like. Oh that was God. so funny. Well, you've had a very cool life, interesting life. Interesting. <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you about um, that and also what it means to be a mother because you're very, you're a very good mom. Oh, thanks, honey. And you have a very um, like maternal way about you that I think a lot of people gravitate toward. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but before we get into the motherhood talks, um, okay, listen, you can't, that, that picks up. <laughs> Stop. It's just adjusting, adjusting the watch strap. Okay. So before we get into the motherhood talk, I wanted to talk first, kind of talk about your life and where you came from Okay. and how that. <laughs> My humble beginnings. <laughs> and how that has informed who you are today. So Informed or influenced? Both. It's informed you. Your life has... Okay. Okay. (laughs) Correcting my grammar. My word choice. Okay. Okay. So, where were you born? (laughs) 
It was a cold winter's day. <laughs> you were and born in... I was born in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And what... What kind of parents would you say that Noni and Pop-Pop were, your parents? What kind of parenting style did they um, execute with you and your siblings? Um, Well, they were very loving. They were somewhat strict. In what way? Well, you know, when you're a kid, you don't like to do chores. They made us do chores. I had to paint the fence. Mm -hmm. I had to paint the door, (laughs) mow the lawn. Yeah, we had stuff to do like that, but, you know, we also did fun stuff they were kind of kind of hands off like they kind of just let us go like yeah but things were different then too you know i could just go out and say i'll be back at dinner yeah they trusted you plus there was no cell phone so they couldn't yeah call us what was your relationship like with each of them well my dad he worked a lot um my mom she didn't work when i was young what did your dad do, first of all? Um, he was the owner of a furniture store. And my mom, when we got into like maybe middle school or early high school for me, uh, my dad bought a second furniture store and my mom went and helped work there. So I had a good relationship with both of them. I think my dad was kind of like he always wanted a boy and I was kind of a little bit of a tomboyish when I was little. So mm-hmm. I would do a lot of stuff like outside with him. Right. Because, you know, my mom would give me a choice. Well, you go outside and help your dad or you have to stay in and dust and vacuum. And you didn't want to dust. I didn't like to dust and vacuum, so I <laughs> would go outside. Yeah. And then, so then you went to high school. What kind of, well, just what kind of, first, what kind of kid were you in high school? I had friends in, like, all different groups. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had cheerleader friends and smart friends and whatever other groups there are. You know, I had friends from... Yeah. All walks of life. From all walks of life, yes. I was a good student. You know, it kind of came easy for me, but I also was a little lazy. Like, I didn't push myself like I could have. Yeah. And probably should have. So I pretty much had most of the credits I needed to graduate when I was in, like, 10th grade. So the last two years, I just kind of took, like, a lot of art classes. But I was really into art. Why did you want to... Why? What, what interested you in it? In art? Yeah. Well, I always could draw, but... It wasn't until I got to high school that I like took an art class that I was like, oh wow, this is like, I can do this and I really like it. Yeah. And you know, I did some sculpt, some pottery. I had a pottery class. I really liked that, like the sculpture kind of stuff and drawing and painting. It kind of got an introduction to all of it while I was in high school. Did Noni and Pop Pop, your mom and dad, like foster your appreciation because you took like piano lessons and stuff did they like foster your creativity in any way besides well my dad he was he's an artist like he he actually designed and like drew the pictures in his yearbook like for the you know the cover and stuff the pictures inside he was always a good drawer but he he just never really you know it's hard to find a job at support a family in art but he always said oh you know I always wanted to do that, so he, you know, so it was kind of, I felt like I was doing something that he always wanted to do. Yeah. My dad didn't go to college, my mom did go to college, but neither of them really, like, ex- I didn't feel like they really expected me to go to college. They didn't really talk about it too much. It was kind of like on my own. Yeah. But my mom did kind of push a little more for the, well, why don't you go to art school for a year and see how you like it, you know, that kind of thing. She made me read a lot. We read ever since we were like 
infants, I think. Mm. We read all the time. She took us to the library every week. We get new books and read. So there was a lot of reading and music. They liked music. Were you appreciative of that? I am now. At the time, I just thought it, everybody did it. I thought everybody listened to music and read books and drew pictures. <laughs> yeah. Then you went to art school. How long did you go? Three years? Yeah, it was a three-year program. It was a three-year private art school. Yeah, I loved it. It was really cool. It was kind of like, you know, college, but with no academics. Or what was your favorite, like, think, kind of art to practice? Um, I really liked figure drawing. Yeah. And I liked um, printmaking. I always kind of had a little bit of a knack for figure drawing. Did you have any boyfriends besides daddy? In art school? Yeah. And besides no, your stalker? No, I didn't. You had a stalker. Well, yeah, he was this. We don't really need to go there. <laughs> you don't want to tell the story it scary. about it? Tell the story about how you, like, didn't you hide in the, in the, from him in the... <laughs> yeah, I, hid, I did hide from him. <laughs> no, tell it. It's a good story. Brian. I did. I hid in the closet. I hid in the school store. They came and told me he was coming into the school, the person that was running the school store. Because by then they, they knew that they you knew were They knew he harassing. wasn't supposed to come back to school. He was kind of kicked out of school. He wasn't supposed to come back, but he did. Because you, because of you? Yeah. So the guy came into my printmaking class and was all, rush, 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 quick. You have to come with me. Why? Just come with me to the school store. And then he took me in the closet. And I was like, what the, what the heck is going on? And when we were in the closet, he was whispering to me that the stalker was back at the school and they didn't want him to know that I was there. So they were protecting me. But I thought the whole thing was real weird at the time. And how old were you? 19. And didn't he break into your apartment and burn all of your art? Yeah, he burned it. I came back home one day and I saw just ashes on the back porch. It was just like a pile of ashes and everything... My maid was gone. Oh my god. That's so devastating. It is devastating. It's like losing all your pictures in your iPhone. That happened to me the other day. <laughs> well, in a way. <laughs> and then you met Daddy. Yep. Was it love at first sight? Well, we got kind of got to be friends a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe not love at first sight, but... Like at first, first sight. Yeah. And then, so then you graduated art school. Did you have any other like significant boyfriends? So then what, tell me what happened after you graduated art school. Well, after I graduated art school, I really didn't want to go back to my hometown. Did you know what you wanted to do? Not exactly. Unfortunately for me, a few years after I graduated from art school, computers became really popular. I think a lot of people that in my class that did commercial type art had to relearn everything on a computer. It was just very, very different. So I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do because I wasn't quite sure how to navigate being a fine artist and making money at it. So when I was in art school, I had this part-time job at a photography studio. And after I graduated, they offered me a full-time job traveling and taking pictures. So I thought, yeah. So I thought, wow, why not? Let me do this. That's what I did. You traveled all over the country. Yeah. But like living in hotels or what? Yeah. Seven days a week. Doing like I had photography two... of what kind? Yeah, children's portrait photography. Did you like and it? I did like it. But, you know, I did it for a year. And, you know, after a year, I was kind of getting tired of it. But I was able to save money because I didn't really... I had no rent, no utilities. I had no bills. Except oh, yeah. for just all I had was stuff I would buy. One of the studio managers had come to watch me you know she was just observing me taking pictures i guess every once in a while they had to come and observe you know make sure you were because you're kind of out there on your own right 
and she told me that she was opening a new portrait studio um, in Colorado in a town, and she said, she asked me if I'd be interested in managing the portrait studio. And you said yes. So I, well, I said, let me think about it, but eventually I said yes, and that's what I did. So then Daddy, you were kind of dating off and on for like, tell tell them how many years? Yeah, kind of the whole time, but you know, now I was traveling a lot. When I went out to Colorado, he said he was, you know, he would want to come out there too, so that was another reason why I took the permanent position there. And then you got married. We did get married. And then you had me. How did you find out you were pregnant? I was I, st- I was getting tired. And I remember like going into work and I was just like in the afternoon, I would just get so tired like I could hardly keep my eyes open. Yeah. So one day I just was waiting for my for the girl to come in to relieve me and I put my head down on the counter <laughs> and I and I actually fell asleep. <laughs> I think only for a couple of minutes, but who knows. And she came in and she said she called my name. I didn't answer. So she hit her hand really hard on the counter and <laughs> jumped. And she was younger than me, like maybe five or six years younger than me, but she had just had a baby. I said, oh my God, I can't believe I'm so tired. Every day, I just can't keep my eyes open. I don't know what's wrong with me. And she said, maybe you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I can't be pregnant. <laughs> my friends came out to visit. You know, we ordered these margaritas. They came like in a big, almost like a big beer mug. It was kind of, they were kind of cool. I took like two sips and I just, I just couldn't drink it. It just was making my stomach feel weird. And they were like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? you know, and you, you love know? margaritas. Oh, I love margaritas. Like, isn't that like a weird natural thing that, because you're not supposed to drink, obviously, when you're pregnant. Like, do you think that uh, yeah, was? Yeah, I definitely think it was. My body was rejecting yeah. alcohol. I've always kind with of you. been like really in tune with my body too. So, Were you pregnant when you got married? What? I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I, well, no, I didn't think I was. <laughs> Did you think maybe? But I think I might have been because when I, after we got married and went back to Colorado, that's when I started getting real tired. And Well, yeah, you would have only been like weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah. And, and my friends, Wendy and Gail, came out too to visit it was so funny because one of them was saying oh you're probably anemic and then we went to this part we took a walk one night you know it was summertime and it was kind of late like maybe eight o'clock but it was still light out and we walked up to this park and the sprinklers came on while we were there and it was kind of hot oh, let's run through the sprinklers and i was like oh that sounds like a great idea but i was so tired i just couldn't even bring myself to run through the sprinklers the week after they left I went to get a pregnancy test. I couldn't think of any other reason why I was feeling so horrible. And you were 26. And then you had me. And then I had you. Uh, How did your life change when you became a parent? Maybe I should say, how did you change when you became a parent? Well... Aside from like the daily like changing diapers, you know what I mean? Like, how do you think that you changed? Well, I think I got more nervous. I think I had more anxiety. I think I felt more like, oh my God, this person like totally depends on me <laughs> it gets a lot of pressure but did you feel like a shift in like the person that you thought that you were you know because up until that point you kind of were like an artist and a photographer and did you define yourself in a different way yeah maybe maybe a little bit because i wasn't as you know i i think i i think it kind of forced me to be more like responsible yeah, and you do it. Like little things start changing. Even little things like like in the marriage, in our marriage, things change a little bit too because all of a sudden I became more of the cooking, taking care of the baby, cleaning in the house things where daddy did more 
of the yard work and the more traditional, stereotypical, you know, male, female. Did you like things. that? No, I didn't like that. Why? Because I just felt like I. Because you don't like dusting. I don't like dusting <laughs> and vacuuming. <laughs> right. I just felt like, well, what's the difference? Why can't Why right. can't I mow the lawn and you take care of the baby? <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of thing. But he know? did. Oh yeah, he did. He did a lot. In fact, he stayed home for like the first three months and took care of you. Yeah. All the time. When I was thinking about like what I was going to ask you during this interview, I was thinking about like <clears throat> myself, which is why I was asking you about your childhood, because I feel like so much of so much of you two is reflected in me. Mm-hmm. And when you were just saying about like gender roles and stuff, like I always felt like I never understood those gender roles. Like I think because I did see you guys both do like cooking and both doing, you know what I mean? Like I saw you both doing all kinds of things. And I think in my adult life, I, I wasn't aware that like that women are looked at as less than men because I never grew up with that. Well, they are. <laughs> but I always, because you and Daddy were so equal, egalitarian in that way, you know? And I feel like I, I never expected, like, that one should do this and one should do that, or that, I don't know, I just always everyone was equal. And it was such a rude awakening when I realized that, no, that they aren't. Yeah, so you're lucky if you find someone that is like that. And then you, you know, you had me, which was, like, obviously the best years of your life. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then Sean came along later. Eight years later, you had Sean. Yeah, and I had another best years of my life. <laughs> well, first of all, what did you... Because Sean and I are very different. So did you have to kind of throw out the rule book that you used? The rule book, like not your like an actual rule book, but like your own kind of learned be, like teachings of me and start and fresh with Sean? Well, no, I feel like I did kind of the same things, but... Every individual is different. I mean, mm-hmm. you know you're not going to have a second baby. It's not going to be a carbon copy of the first. Right. Yeah, because you were like a really, really needy baby. And Sean, he was a little bit more like, he could cry and, you know, crying and whatever. And, you know, I'd be rock, you know, holding him in my arms or rocking him, whatever. And he wouldn't calm down. And then I would just get like so frustrated, like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I can't even like soothe my own baby. And then I just went and laid him down in his crib because he just wanted to be left alone i was frustrated and he just wanted to go to sleep on his own but you never would go to sleep on your own like i had to rock you to sleep all the time which was a big mistake (laughs) in in hindsight but that was my motherly guilt of dropping you off in the morning like i had to go back to work when you were like eight weeks old so when i would come home from work you were like colicky and you cried like every day between five and seven, pretty much nonstop, and it was very frustrating. The the time that I had with you was two hours of crying, which would hold you like a football and rock you back and forth. And then, and then I would sit with you at night. I had a rocking chair in your room, and I'd sit with you and rock you, and you'd fall asleep, and I'd put you in the bed. So that was like my time to spend with you. But when Sean was born, I knew I was never going to do that again <laughs> because I still had to lay down with you when you were in kindergarten <laughs> for you to go to sleep. Really? Yeah, you would not go to sleep. Mommy, read me a story. Okay. And I'd read one. Mommy, read me another one. I'd read another one and I'd be falling asleep and you'd be saying, Mommy, wake up. <laughs> wake up. I wonder if that's why I feel so attached to you now. 
It's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you but you know, kids are just different. Don't worry, we'll be right back. At Hamptons to Hollywood, we love food, both eating it and recommending great places for you, our audience, to eat. Hamptons to Hollywood's restaurant of the month for May is Botanica, a delicious locally sourced organic eatery located in Silver Lake that is as charming as it is yummy. The restaurant just turned two years old last Friday and is only becoming more well known. Started by two former female food writers, they felt the time was right to start a female-led restaurant in a largely male-dominated industry. And one of the founders is an expecting mom. And speaking of moms, we think it is the perfect place to bring your mom or another special lady in your life for Mother's Day this Sunday. You can see the full editorial on HamptonsToHollywood.com tomorrow. Bon appetit! So then you were raising both of us and then whatever, and then you stopped working at, you stopped working in the photography industry and you went into business for yourself and you started a childcare service. Yes, I did. I feel like you're kind of like the go-to girl. <laughs> go-to girl. I like that. But over the years, I've observed a lot of parents who like, have you been your clients that have come to you and been like, what do I do? Like, they won't stop crying. Or how do I, you know, what's an easy trick to make them eat their vegetables or whatever it is. And you have all this insight and all these tricks. And so how do you think that you got there to be this guru of of child behavior? Well, I think it's just like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get at it. I mean, I had two kids. Sean was three when I started doing this. But even when you started out doing it, I think that you had like a really good like basis. You know what I mean? Like well, I always liked pull. kids. I mean, I worked with kids pretty much my whole life. I was always taking pictures of them. Right. I knew a little bit about the psychology of children. Right. Did you supplement what you already knew with any like books or anything? Like, did you read books about? Well, I read books when like you were little. Yeah. Too like about toddlers and things like that and then you know when I went back to school I took educational psychology classes and child psychology and adolescent psychology classes so I think that kind of mm. helped a little bit too what do you think do you think there's like a universal thing that like all parents should do yeah teach them how to fall asleep on their own seriously because it's beneficial f- for the parents and for the children no no mother wants to listen to their child cry It's just like this maternal instinct kicks in and you can't, like you have to go to the child when they're crying. But even from infancy, babies just, they know, for example, they know that if you let them in the room and let them cry for 10 minutes and then go in, they know they have to cry for 10 minutes before you go in. And if you let them cry for half an hour and go in, they know, well, it's going to take a half an hour of me crying before she gets in here. And does what I want. So if you never go in one time, literally one time, and it took 40 minutes, the next night they're only going to cry for like 30 minutes before they fall asleep. And then the next night it's going to be like 25 minutes. And You know, it's beneficial two ways. You, as the parent, are not, you know, you're going to get to sleep. Yeah. And the child's going to learn how to self-soothe. I mean, I think it's like one of the first things they need to learn. And what about when you're raising 
older kids, what, is there something that you think is you should all, all parents should do? Five, six, seven, eight age group? Well, then I think it's more about teaching them kindness and sharing and empathy, you know, because, I mean, I think they're like core values, you know. You have to be kind to people. You have to treat people with respect. Yeah. You know, don't throw the first punch, those kinds of things. But but don't get walked all over and don't let anybody disrespect you. I think that the biggest thing now that I recognize about myself was I do have a lot of empathy, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with you. But, like, communication. I feel like you... And daddy both like you always like really reinforced the fact the idea that no matter what happens like I could tell you anything like it could yeah we did well it started with whining when you're whining I hate whining <laughs> when you're whining we would say don't whine use words tell me what's wrong are you sad are you mad are you know what's wrong somebody hurt you you know like we would try and get you to talk that way because sometimes you would just cry for no reason and so that kind of helped because then you would I mean we I would make I remember making the game out of it and I would make you do faces I would say oh what show me a happy face show me a sad face show me a surprised face show me an angry face you know and you would do things you know you would express myself yeah that way. yeah like in my adult life I just feel like I take that I get really, really frustrated when people can't express themselves. Well, a lot of people can't, and it's I know. unfortunate, it but is. you can't control what other people... That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't. So all you can do is express yourself, and if somebody is is unwilling or unable, in most cases it's unable to express themselves because maybe they never learned how mm -hmm. or maybe they're uncomfortable or maybe they're afraid to express themselves we always felt like okay you can tell us anything and we were really conscious of not overreacting if you told us something that was like oh my god i can't believe what i just heard mm -hmm. like we never and we never punished you for telling you the truth i mean for telling us the truth like we even told sean i remember more distinctly speaking to Sean about that, saying, you know, if you tell me the truth, you're not going to be in trouble. But if you lie to me, then you're going to be in trouble. And I find out you lied, you're going to be in trouble. So he would tell me the truth. And even though maybe I wanted to punish him, I didn't. I would just talk to him about it instead. And it did help foster communication because kids are afraid sometimes to go to their parents and say something because they're afraid the parent's going to yell at them or punish them or take something away. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to, depending on what the, the severity you know. of the situation. Right, is. right. And now you got married again. Well, you got divorced first. <laughs> <laughs> and then you now you have three stepchildren. Yes, I do. How has parenting them been different than parenting your own kids? Well, I look at it more as like, I kind of was like, really completely hands-off in the beginning but now why I well because they have a mother mm -hmm. so I'm not replacing their mother however they would start asking me things and what do you think and this and that sort of thing and I can what's good about it compared to your biological children is that you can kind of be like the favorite aunt 
or something. Like they could tell me things, you know, don't tell my dad. Okay, I won't tell your dad. Do you tell but the dad? Honestly, no, I don't tell him unless it's something, and I told them this too. If you tell me something that's really serious, like you're involved in like some kind of drug scheme or, <laughs> right. or something dangerous that's harmful to you, I will tell him. But if you're just talking to me about boys in school and your feelings, I said, no, I won't say anything if you don't want me to. Mm-hmm. So you just say to me, you know, your dad and I share a lot of things. So if you, but if you start the conversation and say to me, I want to talk to you, but don't tell my dad, I won't. It's that happened. builds a lot of trust. Oh, yeah, I think so. How did you navigate <laughs> being like parenting through a divorce? Was that hard? I don't know if it was hard. You know, I was always glad the time that he got to spend with daddy. It was just different. You know, and I guess different being that, you know, when he was with me, it was just me and him. So if he did something while he was with me that I didn't like, I would tell him or punish him or, you know, whatever. But it was just me doing it. It wasn't like... Did you feel like those punishments had to be carried into daddy's jurisdiction? Well, that's kind of tricky, but, you know, it depended. Like dad and I always talked about stuff. You know, and if he chose not to do anything about it, there was not really anything I could do, or vice versa. Yeah. Do you think all children should have two parents? It's better. You mean like in their in the picture? Yeah. In their life? Yeah. Well, yeah. Not I, like biologically, ideal- obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Um, well, yeah, ideally, I think the best scenario is that they have a mother and father Why? figure in their life for balance. You know, I always say life is about balance. Everything is balance. You do. It's your balance in your eating habits, your balance in your play versus your work, balance in your relationship. Everything's a balancing act. I think there's plenty of people that have been raised with one parent that have, are very successful. Yeah. I think I think as a single parent sometimes, you know, you 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 put pe- you put people in your children's life that you think like if I was a single mom, for example, I would want a male figure in their life and grandparents and family, you know, aunts and uncles. But you'd still have a variety of people in their life. What was the hardest thing that you had to deal with between me and Sean individually? And and what were you, what were you most proud of? Honestly, probably the most difficult was when you were a baby. And it's just gotten better since then. <laughs> Well, because it just, you were just getting like, better. You were an annoying baby. <laughs> and when you were like in school, you know, you were pretty self-motivated. And even though it wasn't like probably you wouldn't consider it like a great accomplishment of moving all the way across the country. I was kind of proud of the fact that you did it because it's not something that a lot of people would just pick up and go to someplace all the way 3,000 miles away where they don't know anybody and just say, you know, I just want to go out there and try and make my way. Do you like that's I was really proud of you for doing that because it's a you know it's it's a hard thing to do and not every personality can do that. Do you attribute that to your parenting? I never really thought about it. Well, think about it now. <laughs> do you think? Well, I don't know, maybe. Like I just always remember you saying like like because we moved around a lot, you know, when I was little, like you always I remember you just saying the change was really easy for me. Like, even if it's something that wasn't, that you weren't consciously parenting me on. Yeah, I think it's part of your personality. Yeah. Because you were a little easy. Like, I could say to you, like, for example, between you and your brother, oh, hey, 
Kyle, like you, I remember one day you were sitting there drawing pictures. You were like maybe four. Hey, how about we go to the beach today? <gasps> okay. And you'd stop drawing and you'd be ready to go. And I remember doing the same thing to Sean and he just like kind of freaked out. So I learned, oh, you have to tell Sean the day before. Tomorrow we're going to go to the beach because he has to know, he had, when he was little, he had to know what was going to go, what was happening, what was going to happen tomorrow. He had to have a plan. Sean was a really good baby. He was really easy. And you remember he was little, he was so funny. He made us laugh. We'd just sit there and just, yeah. he was like comic relief yeah. in our house. You know, when he got older, he was a little more difficult when he was in middle school. That was like throwing snowballs at cars and <laughs> and such. <laughs> so that was probably the hardest time for him. And he didn't really, he was really, really smart. I never had any doubt about his intelligence, mm -hmm. but he just never really used it when he was in high school. Like he'd show him, what do you have for homework? And he'd bring home a piece of paper folded up in his back pocket. <laughs> never a book so when he finally found out what he wanted to do it was just like night and day like he turned into like a research assistant slash genius and both of your proudest moments have been when your children have like taken chances yeah how about that i feel like that's a testament to like that's literally the definition of like what parents like what your job is you're supposed to like set them up for success in life and then they're supposed to go out and find their own well yeah and i think Way. and this is something i remember my dad i remember overhearing my mom and dad talk and my mom and dad were saying something about they were talking about us i can't remember the context so but you were I, in your siblings yeah yeah when i was younger and i remember my dad saying well i just want them to learn to be independent if i if they if they become independent and are able to you know go out there on their own then that I would have succeeded. To be able to go out on your own and and do things and succeed. Mm -hmm. Kind of always kept that in the back of my mind and and it just starts with, okay, put your shoes on by yourself. You can do it. No, I can't, mommy. Yes you can. Who's put that? your foot on. Both of you. Oh. You know what I mean? When when kids are little, the whole I think my whole the whole time I was raising you both, it was no, you can do it yourself. Learn how to put your coat on. Learn how to put learn how to dress yourself. Yeah. You oversee, you watch, you correct, you help, you show them how to do something, and then you coach them through it while they're doing it, as opposed to doing it for them. Because if you do something for someone all the time, they become dependent. Who do you think is more independent? I think you're both very independent. I think I succeeded in that area. <laughs> you went out to California, roommates.com, I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy when you think about it. Like. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people said to me, I can't believe he just left like that and didn't know anybody where he was going. And Who's your favorite child? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. I don't have a favorite child. I'm just kidding. You know what they say, your mother's heart is broken into two sides, one for one child and one for the other. Now, if you have five children, it's broken into five equal parts. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me this evening. <laughs> It's been a pleasure. And thank you for being my guest. It's been my pleasure. And good luck with your new podcast. All right. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope my conversation with my mom inspires you to reach out and do something with your own moms this Mother's Day. Whether it's a phone call, a brunch, or just sending her lots of love and memories in whatever form you can. Moms are truly special, and we wouldn't be here without them. <laughs>